Welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. We'll give them a fist bump and tell them, I'm glad to see you today at Starkville Church of God. we look into this subject of Jesus Christ has justified us. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. 
of the fact of what justification is. You see, I, I, I'm thankful today. I, I read and I study a good bit, and I'm trying to stay on top of things that are going on. I'm thankful for this younger generation because everything that we're reading about this younger generation is that the generation now, they want the truth and they want it real. You know, we've gone through times and we've gone through generations where we had to frou-frou it up and we had to sugarcoat it. We tried to do all these things, but now we're finding a generation that they want it straight up. They want it real. They want to hear what God truly has to say to them. And as we find a lot of things, we find some people, and I hope you're not too offended by this, but there's a lot of people today that they're trying to be so spiritual that they end up being stupid. If we're not careful trying to be so spiritual, we end up being stupid. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, I'm starting with this word justification that's a, certainly a biblical term. And in its simplest definition, it means you can interpret it as just as if it had never happened. When Christ justifies us, he forgives us through his shed blood, your sin and my sin. When we repent of it, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then it is just as if it had never happened. You know, I hear a lot of people today, and they want to be so spiritual that they really are stupid. Because, again, in this generation, they want more. They want deeper. People, I hear people say, oh, God above theology. Theology is dumb. Theology, get rid of it. Do you even know what theology is? Theology is simply the study of God. I don't know about you, but I think it's pretty important. I think the Bible tells us that we need to know about God, that we need to study about Him, that we need to know. You need to know about God. I need to know about God. Theology is important. Doctrine is important. We read in the Scripture where in these last days that deception is going to become more and more rampant. I preached about that last week, about how the truth would make us free. And part of that, I believe, is that I've never seen before that the truth then will set us free from deception. We need doctrine. Doctrine is not a bad thing. Of course we need relationship. But if you study theology, if you study God, and you study doctrine, then you find that what God told us is certainly he wants a relationship with us. Don't be afraid of things like theology. Don't be afraid of things like doctrine. I forgot to say this in the first service, but, hey, you're lucky here in the 11 o'clock. You're going to get it this morning. I even hear, I even see people post things like, oh, you know what, I want God, but, you know, I don't even want the church. Now, I want you to, now, please, just, I know that you could, you could take this the wrong way, but please take this not, not in a bad way. I love my wife. She's got a pretty face. She's got a pretty head, but I don't just want the head. I, I want, I want her whole body. Now, listen, I, I promise you, don't, don't go, don't go nasty with me here. But listen to what I'm saying here. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and the church is his body. And so when you say, oh, you know, I want Jesus, but I don't want nothing to do with the church. You're saying, I just rather have the head. I don't even want the brother. Here's what Jesus wants you to have the whole thing. In fact, when you study in the scripture, it says, how can the hand say to the foot, I don't need you? I 
know church is full of a bunch of imperfect people. None of us are. The head, Jesus, is the only perfect part about it. The foot's going to get messed up. The hand's going to, the shoulder, every single one of us are imperfect. But when people get on the Facebook especially, and they're talking, I don't need the church, I don't want the church. Well, you're not in the will of God because God said he wants us to be a part of his body. And like it or not, the church is the body of Christ. Somebody say amen. So I come back to this word justification that might scare some people. And say, oh, let's just do it. No, I, I want to be justified because I want to know that when I repent of my sins, he forgives me of those sins, and it's just as if it never happened. Now, the Scripture tells us that when we do, when God forgives us to God and on his accounting, that our sins are what? As far as the east is from the west. God never remembers it. But how many of you know some do? There's one, Satan. He remembers every time you've messed up. He's got a good memory for those things. He's got some good record keeping. Because I don't know about you, even after I've put something under the blood and I've asked forgiveness for it, and I know that in God's record I've been forgiven, the devil will still want to come and whisper in my ear sometimes, and you remember when you did that, don't you? You remember when you messed up with that. You remember that failure, don't you? The enemy is called the accuser of the brethren. And I wish I could just blame it all on the devil, but sometimes, sometimes people do it too. You know, so I don't, listen, I don't, y'all, y'all probably more spiritual than I am. But you know, sometimes you can do 20 nice things for somebody and one thing that somebody don't like and they forget all 20 of the nice things and remember the one bad thing. Mm, y'all are, y'all are quiet. That's all right. Don't be pointing at nobody now. This people sometimes want to remind you of your past mistakes and your past failures. But the scripture here tells us, So who can condemn you? Nobody except for Jesus. Can I remind you today that, yes, we're supposed to live peaceably with all men as as much as possible. But when it comes down to it, the only one that matters in the scope of eternity, if he has forgiven me, is Jesus Christ himself. I can't condemn you to hell. Nobody around you can do that. Only Jesus Christ can condemn you. But we find here that when we ask, he is able to justify us and is just as if we have never sinned. What else do we find here in Jesus, the answer that he gave himself for us, that he justified us? We find in Jesus being the answer that Jesus himself is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Verse 34, look at this. Who is he that condemns? Jesus Christ who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Is there anybody here in your life? Maybe it was for a job. Maybe it was something in school. Maybe it was something that maybe even you were going to get in trouble about something and it wasn't really your fault. But how many, whatever it may be, maybe you've had somebody that spoke up on your behalf. 
somebody that decided I'm going to speak up on their behalf to someone that's in authority. Maybe they're holding the authority of a job you want. Maybe they're holding the authority of a program you want to get into. But you've had somebody that spoke up on your behalf. How good is it? Hey, it's great when that happens. But even greater than any man or woman in any position or power or authority speaking up for you. How great is it that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is right now sitting up in heaven at the right hand of the Father, and he is interceding for you, and he is interceding for me. He's saying to the Father, Father, listen, I know that they messed up. I know that they're not perfect, but I've been where they're at. I I can feel what they have felt. I know what it feels like to be hungry. I know what it feels like to be tired. I know what it feels like to be tempted. So, Father, would you have grace? Would you have mercy? Thank God Almighty that Jesus Christ is making intercession for you and me right now. Give God praise if you believe that. Not only that, but he sent the Holy Spirit to intercede through this. We didn't go this far back, but I want us to read it now. Go back to verse 26 there in chapter 8 where we've been. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Jesus said it's expedient that I go because I'm going to send another comforter. I've told you this a number of times, and I'm going to keep on reminding you that what the Lord, one of the things that the Lord has put in my spirit for this church is that we are to be a full gospel, spirit-filled church for Starkville, Mississippi. I still believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is available to us today. I read in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit came, and there's not a place in this book where I read he is has left. I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is available to us today. How do we have the victory through Jesus Christ? He gave himself for us. He justified us. He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And also he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us, to pray through us, to give us the power and anointing that we need to live this life that we live. And with all this, verse 31 then becomes more clear. If God is for us, who can be against us? How do we have the victory? Because Jesus gave himself for us. Because Jesus justified us. Because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And because he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. I remind you, it's not a fair fight. The devil wants to lie to you. The devil wants to make you think that he's going to defeat you, but it's not even close. You've been made more than a conqueror because of what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me. Give him praise this morning. Secondly, I wish I could leave it there and just drop it because that's a good place to say, let's go home, let's go to lunch and leave you in a great mood. But I've also got to remind us in this same text, we find that we will face hard times. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, or famine, 
or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Unfortunately, folks, we've got to walk through some stuff in this walk of life. Unfortunately, we have to face some hard times when even when we have Jesus Christ. But thirdly and finally, we are more than conquerors. Look at verse 37 one more time. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. My musicians and singers come and take their places. An illustration that might help you picture this, because we read this and we quote this and we think about this. We think about, you know, I know, you know, what it is to be a conqueror. Praise God, I'm glad that I'm more than a conqueror, but really, what does it mean? What does it really mean to be more than a conqueror? I hope this helps you. There was a boxer. He had fought a very brutal, hard fight, but he fought it, and he won. After the fight was over with, he was bloody. He was beaten. He makes his way into the locker room. He showers. As he gets out, the trainers and the doctors then bandage him, ice him, pop joints back into place, tended to all of his injuries. He gets dressed, gets in his limousine, and he's driven to his home where his wife meets him at the door. After a kiss and an embrace, he hands his wife the $4 million check he had just won. He is a conqueror. She is more than a conqueror. You see, we've got, we are more than a conqueror because somebody else fought the fight for us and handed us the check. An old story, excuse me, an old song we used to sing out of the red back hymnal. It said, I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning of his precious, precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath his cleansing flood. You and I are more than a conqueror. You and I have victory. Why? Not because of anything we did to earn it. All we have to do is accept it. But because Jesus Christ went to the cross, because Jesus Christ shed his blood, because Jesus Christ did it all, Jesus is a conqueror. You and I, my friend, are just like that wife. We're the bride of Christ. And just like that boxer who handed that wife that $4 million check, she was more than a conqueror. And as Jesus Christ reaches out through the Holy Spirit, that invitation of salvation, that invitation of forgiveness through his blood, 
brothers and sisters, you and I are then more than a conqueror through him that loved us. Thanks for listening to our podcast. To find out more about us, follow us on social media at StarkvilleCOG. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at StarkvilleCOG.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you.